All right, we'll be in Psalm 23, or Psalm 34, sorry, Psalm 34. I got Psalm 23 on my mind. We'll start it out by Psalm 34. And uh, I'll make sure that's plenty far out there. I've already seen the comments that they didn't hear on Facebook. But I got in trouble when I was little for uh, talking too loud, and so ever since then I've talked too quiet. Excuse me, I, I really do. And I'll tell you the one thing about like like preaching and stuff is uh, the microphones and stuff spoil you because you, you, you don't you don't want to project and overpower because you know the microphone and everything will uh, compensate for that. But, uh, anyway, I'll try I'll try to speak up a little bit here this morning as best I can. Well, really a hooping and hollering kind of sermon. I uh, appreciate that, Miss Annette Plains. She called me last night. She said, "What are you preaching about?" I'm gonna try to find something, and, and I, I'm just, uh, I'm just glad you didn't play what Dad wanted you to. So that's just uh, keep him, keep him guessing. So, um, but anyway, I told her I said I'm gonna preach on hope. So she put a little medley together there of songs about hope. And beautiful, beautifully done. I appreciate that. And go right along with the message here this morning. <clears throat> Psalm 34 and. I'm going to read the entire psalm here. I'm going to go back and reference different parts of it. Not necessarily going to preach through it, but we're going to hit some high points as we go through. Psalm number 34, verse number 1. I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise shall continually be in my mouth. My soul shall make her boast in the Lord. The humble shall hear thereof and be glad. Oh, magnify the Lord with me and let us exalt his name together. I sought the Lord, and he heard me, and delivered me from all my fears. They looked unto them, and were lightened. Their faces were not ashamed. This poor man cried, and the Lord heard him, and saved him out of all his trouble. The angel of the Lord encampeth round about them that fear him, and delivereth him. O oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the man that trusteth in him. O oh, fear the Lord, ye his saints. For there is no want to them that fear him. The young lions do lack and suffer hunger, but they that seek the Lord shall not want any good thing. Come, ye children, hearken unto me, I will teach you the fear of the Lord. What man is he that desireth life and loveth many days, that he may see good? Keep thy tongue from evil, and thy lips from speaking guile. Verse 14. Depart from evil and do good. Seek peace and pursue it. The eyes of the Lord are upon the righteous, and his ears are open unto their cry. The face of the Lord is against them that do evil, to cut off the remembrance of them from the earth. The righteous cry, and the Lord heareth and delivereth them out of all their troubles. The Lord is nigh unto them that are of a broken heart, and saveth such as that be of a contrite spirit. Many are the afflictions of the righteous, but the Lord delivereth him out of them all. He keepeth all his bones, not one of them is broken. Evil shall slay the wicked, and they that hate the righteous shall be desolate. The Lord redeemeth the soul of his servant, and none of them that trust in him shall be desolate. Now, I don't plan on breaking any new ground this morning. I doubt much that I say will be original. But what I do know is this. Uh, had on my mind and my heart this week. And, you know, we've got plenty of folks in our church that are going through rough spots right now in their lives. 
got some that have said goodbye to loved ones. Uh, I've had Master Maxine on my heart quite a bit this week and gone by and visited them a few times. And, uh, my wife lost her grandmother and uh, just a lot of folks mourning the loss of loved ones. Some have difficulties or in the midst of uh, changes in life or having 16-year-olds in their house. Well, you you can just look around and you can tell everybody just seems to be having a hard time. If you're not grieving or struggling, I, I'm sure that there are worries on your mind. Uh, I'm sure there's concerns about the state of things, uh, you know, what the future may hold. There's so much uncertainty in our lives today. I'm reminded of a saying, and I actually did a little Googling on this and found out where it originated. It, it, it's an interesting deal, but it turns out an old Methodist preacher named John Watson in the late 1800s came up with the original version of this saying. It goes something like this with different iterations of it, but be kind to every person you meet, for every person you meet is having a hard time. And coming out of COVID and the state of our economy, the cares of life, just even in the best of times, just about everybody has some sort of heartache or burden that they're carrying. And in the tough times of life, I find no greater comfort than in the words of the song. Words penned 3,000 years ago, they still ring true today. And I'll tell you, I, I've, I haven't had the, the privilege or honor to officiate that many funerals in, in my, my ministry. But any time that I have and I do a graveside service, I always do Psalm 23. Because there's just such comfort in those words. They're so personal. The hope that they give and the darkest shadows uh, are blotting out the light of joy from our past. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He maketh me to lie down in green pastures. He leadeth me beside the still waters. He restoreth my soul. He leadeth me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. For thou art with me, thy rod and thy staff and comfort me. Thou preparest the table before me in the presence of my enemies. Thou anointest my head with oil, and my cup shall be Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Love that song. But today we're going to look at different ones. 11 Psalms over, Psalm 34. Also written by David, it too covers the highs and lows of life. It's an amazing psalm. The poetry is amazing. In Hebrew, this is one of the acrostic psalms. Just like if you were to write a poem today, and you know, the first line start with A, the second line start with B, the third line start with C. In Hebrew, this is constructed that way, although there's a slight alteration. Half the psalms, by the way, that are written in the acrostic form have some slight uh, alteration to the order. It's an interesting study if you want to get into the Hebrew text study on that. But it's an amazing deal just being written in that form. Its setting is amazing. If you look at the little, cha the, the little chapter heading, psalm heading up there, it talks about that this was written when David had fled to the Philistines when he's running from Saul 
and the, the Philistines have kind of took him in, but then things turned, took a turn and he's in danger. So he, he acted like he was crazy and he acted like he was a madman and, and they let him go. And it's a, it's a very famous, very, very entertaining story, I think. Its structure is amazing. Charles Spurgeon said in his commentary on this that the first 10 verses are a hymn and the final 12 are a sermon. And you can see that. It states these truths and that it makes them practical. You know, I, I looked at this psalm and, and I feel about the same way I do looking at it as when I walk into a used bookstore. It's just too much to take in. I, I want to rush over the favorite sections. I, I've got three or four verses. I don't do a lot of marking in my Bible. It's distracting. You typically, I, I just, if I mark a verse, I just put a little black underline underneath the verse number. If it, it works for me, whatever works for you. But I've got, I've got verse three underline. I've got verse fourteen underline. I've got verse eighteen underline. There's just marvelous, marvelous places here to run to. And also, as I sat down, I really just had to make myself just methodically go, that's what I do in the bookstore. I go to my favorite parts, and I go, okay, now i got to slow down and every book on the shelf. And that's what I had to do. I went through this song. I got to take my time to go through to make sure I'm not missing anything. Now, my plan is this morning, I'm, I'm not trying to preach straight through, I'm not going to hit every verse. I, I know that there are great truths that are going to be left uh, you know, unlooked at this morning. But my plan is just to locate some truths that will help us. When our world is turned upside down, when our hearts are broken, when we're anxious about what tomorrow may bring. Now, the picture in my mind, and what kind of gave me the theme here, the title, Handhold the Hope. I picture in my mind someone scaling a, a sheer rock wall. And I'm just thinking about that makes my hands sweat. But, but I picture those rock climbers going up the rock wall and that, that person that's going up there and they're reaching up. I think that represents us as we're trying to climb that rock, that obstacle, the hard time that we're facing in our life. And just like that climber, we've got to press forward. You can't just give up and fall. That, that's disastrous. You've got to keep pressing on. So we stretch out our hands. We feel for some little some little legs, just to lift yourself up. And each handhold brings us further from the pit to the feet. Each handhold is hope that we will not fall through, we will not fall. So this morning, I want to find in this song some handholds of hope. And even if you don't need them now, you say, boy, everything's going good for me now. Well, knock on wood. That'll turn. <laughs> Even if you're having it really good right now, you're stored away. These are just simple little truths that are eternal. But one day you'll need if you don't need them right now. First off, I want to say look toward God. Look toward God. Verse 4, I sought the Lord. Verse number 5, they look unto Him. Verse number 10, the last part. They that seek the Lord shall not want any good things. A couple of words there, seeking, sought, look. What do all these, all these have a commonality to them in purpose and in meaning? We're searching for something, we're looking for something, we're finding, we're seeking, we're seeing. 
We need to look to God and we're having a breath spot in our life. The old song says it well, turn your eyes upon Jesus as full of his wonderful face and the things of earth will strange in the light of the joy and grace. Sometimes in grief or frustration you hear somebody say, well, where is God? Where is God in the midst of this storm? Where is God in the midst of this heartache? I wonder, honestly, and I'm not trying to be careful, but I wonder if you're even looking for him. You know, this last Sunday, I was sitting over there and got time for the prayer request. This Sunday, I didn't have a pen. I just still carried pencil off, of the, off the piano. I didn't, I didn't put it back either there. You know, people just keep track. But last Sunday, I sat down over there and, and I, I went to get my bulletin. I looked me and I can't find my book. I don't know where it is. So I I had the, the song that Becky sang. I had a copy of this. So I, I get that piece of paper out. I sat on top of my Bible in my lap and get my pen out and I started writing down the back of that. And you know what hard surface I was using to write on? It was my Bible that I couldn't find. You know what was inside my Bible? The bulletin that I couldn't find. You know, and I, I didn't realize until after we had prayed and I, I said it beside me, I'm like, oh, there it is. It's like they've been in my lap the whole time. The Bible was right, right there. The bulletin was right there. You know, could it be that God is so close by that we just aren't looking for him? We're so familiar that he's there. We don't see him. We'd rather look at our problems and our miseries and not look for the hope that only God can give. Ask Peter how that how that worked out for him. Remember, he went walking out in the water, and when did he sink? He took his eyes off the Lord. He looked at the storm. He looked at the waves. Then his water walking experience began to tell. Look for God. I'm certain that he will be. On that note, looking towards God, let me say that God is always near God. Verse number seven, the first part: the angel of the Lord encampeth round about him. Verse 18, verse 18 is in my favor in all scriptures. The Lord is nigh unto them that are of a broken heart and save it such as we are to fight. Any basic theology class that you will take will tell you the attributes of God, that He is omniscient, He knows everything, that He's omnipotent, He's all powerful. But then there's also that He's omnipresent, that He is everywhere. You know, right now, physically, I am in Texas. I'm not in New York. I'm not in Germany. I'm not in Australia. I'm no other place. I am right here. I am in Texas. Now, I could travel to each one of those places. I could go down, hop on a plane, and go to Australia. But if I go to Australia, I'm not in Texas anymore. If I go to New York, you say, well, lost his mind. But if I went to New York, I wouldn't be here. I wouldn't be there. I, I can only be one place at a time. Although my mind is still on that Mexican food thing in Texas. Anyway, yet God is in all places simultaneously. It's beyond our human comprehension because I, I just think it's so profound. We're just so used to it. That's where it is. That's where it is. But God is everywhere. You know, oftentimes we, we think that God's only in the pleasant place. He's only in the holy place. But He is everywhere. Psalm 139, verse 7. Whither shall I go from my, thy spirit? Or whither shall I flee from thy presence? If I ascend up into heaven, thou art there. 
If I make my bed in hell, talking about the grave, behold, thou art dead. If I take the wings of the morning and dwell in the uttermost parts of the sea, even there shall thy hand lead me, and thy right hand shall hold me. If I say, Surely the darkness shall cover me, even the night shall be light about me. Yea, the darkness hideth not from me, but the night shineth as the day. The darkness and the light are both alike to me. There's no running from God. He is He's in the funeral home as much as he's in the church home. He's in the valley of the shadow of death just as much as he lays on top of Mount Sinai in the glory of the shadow of the mountain. But I want to go back. I, I love this. Verse 18. One of my favorites. The promise that God is near to them is part of their Ever had a conversation with someone and you're talking away and you realize they're not listening to the words you say? My wife does that to me all the time. She'll be talking like that. You're not listening. Now we keep back the conversation to her. How do you think you like to talk about it? You like this? I don't get to it very often, but I, I, I love that. I'll, I'll be like, listen, if you look at it. But that person you talk to, they may be physically present, they may be there, but their minds are often la la land. We're talking about technique. My friend, God is not only present when our hearts break and our tears flow, but He is near to us. He's attentive, He's understanding. He's ready to comfort and strengthen. And I'll tell you personally, I'm convinced that the darkest days in the days of that was inside us. What did Christ promise Matthew 28? No, I am with you. Is it a good time? Bad time? God is always in your life. Third thing I'll say is call out to God. Call out to God. Verse number four. I sought the Lord and he heard me. Verse number six. This poor man cried. We can all put ourselves out there. Can't we? This poor man cried and the Lord heard him. Verse number 15. I was mortar upon the righteous and his ears are open unto their cry. Verse 17. The righteous cry and the Lord hears. I was thinking about this, and if you turn on the TV today, you'll be told to call a lot of different people. Been hurt and wrecked? Call Ben Adler. Been exposed to asbestos? Call the Mesothelia home, uh, Hotline. On Medicare? Well, Joe Namath and Jimmy J.J. Walker, they're right there. Call this number for your free Medicare Advantage Hotline. You can tell I watch a lot of rerun TV to see those commercials. I think the most common advice given today is probably to call somebody. Call your doctor. Call a loved one. Call your lawyer. Call your senator. Call a radio show. Whatever. It's always like, you know, call. Go talk to someone. (laughs) But the child of God has the best talk I'm ever known. Songwriter Frederick M. Lehman. By the way, the guy who wrote the song, Love of God, one of my favorite songs, Love of God is greater far than he wrote another song back in 1919 he wrote a song about prayer with the illustration of the technological marvel of the day the telephone central's never busy always on the line you may hear from heaven almost any time tis a royal service free for one and all when you get in trouble give this royal line of call telephone to glory oh what joy divine I can feel the current moving on the line 
built by God the Father for his loved and own, we may talk to Jesus through this royal telephone. I know the Matthew Dawn is saying that before. It's a song. You know, the novelty of that song, has, and I, by the way, I'm shocked that the same guy who wrote the love of God wrote that. It's just like two totally different songs. The novelty of that song hasn't stood the test of time. I mean, the, the imagery and things he uses, that phones work very differently nowadays. But the truth he described is everlasting. Perhaps you would say something like this, and, well, I, I don't know what to say to God. You know, I don't think it matters the words. We think we have to impress God and say the right magic words and code words to begin to listen to it. But I think what matters is we connect our hearts to His and communicate with Him. By the way, talking about Peter out there walking on the sea, he prayed one of the most powerful prayers ever. He said, Lord, save me! And God did. He didn't say, Oh, my Heavenly Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name, thy kingdom come, thy will be done. Uh, gracious and merciful and uh, did, did part the Red Sea and uh, please reach your hand out and save me. No, he said, Lord, save me. Uh, there was, uh, Tim, was it Tim Lee that told the story about said when he'd sit around the table and he wanted he wanted his dad to pass the biscuits. He would he wouldn't say, Oh, my father who provides for his own and is great and caring and loving. He'd say, No, Dad, pass the biscuits. Sometimes when he prays, he just say what's on your heart. It doesn't have to be marvelous or magnificent magnificent or eloquent. You know, I find the prayers that are offered in the midst of trials. They're not poetic. They don't follow some form. They're not quoted from some book, but they're a conversation with God where we express our needs and fears and He responds by giving peace. Sometimes by remolding our person, He reshapes us. Sometimes by intervening on our behalf. Look for him, seek him out in prayer, and you'll find his place. Fourth thing I'll say is give God a chance. Give God a chance. Verse number eight. Another marvelous verse. I'm surprised I don't have this one underlined yet. I'm going to fix that. I'm going to be all for Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. Another thing you'll hear in advertisements today. I don't know why I'm using advertisements as a, as a, uh, as a, such a source here this morning, but but it's the idea of the free trial. Try it free for 30 days. Try it free for 90 days or your money back. Either they want you to forget that you signed up so they can charge you, and by the way, a lot of that goes on in the internet. I'm just saying they can say, oh, sign up for free shipping and we'll get you. Or they'll think that, boy, if you actually do try this product, if you try our bed, if you try our facial cleanser stuff, if you try our you know, subscription or app or whatever, if you'll try it in 30 days, you'll love it and you'll want to keep going. It's really not that they're being kind. They want to hook you in with those things. Let me say this. God's love and care for us is not just the fear. There's a lot of theories out there. And by the way, the theories because they don't work all the time. Well, that's why it's a theory. You know, it's not a truth, it's a theory. Theories from evolution. Why is evolution still a theory? Because it can't be proven. Critical race theory. It will be even more modern. You know why it's a theory? Because it doesn't work. These fail when you put them to the test. 
There is no consistent, measurable success when you apply the principles. But God's love and care for us is not a fear. It's measured and proved and said, how vast is his love? Paul said in Romans 8 38, for I am persuaded to be the death, nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor depth, nor any other creature shall be able to separate us from the love of God which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. How great is his care? Paul wrote in 2 Corinthians chapter 1. Blessed be God, even the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercy, the God of all comfort, who comforteth us in all our tribulation, that we may be able to comfort them which are in any trouble by the comfort wherewith we ourselves are comforted of God. A whole lot of comfort in that verse. David could testify from his own experience, from his own observation in Psalm 37, 25, and 26, I have been young, and now I'm old. Yet have I never seen the righteous forsaken, nor seed that he died. He is the ever merciful to render his seed his blood. Now I can testify, because I taste the seed, that the Lord is good, the peace that only he can give when chaos has overtaken my heart. I can testify of needs, not only met, but how he went above and beyond to supply out of his great love. I can testify of storms that shook and I, I dare say would nearly destroy me, but disappeared with, with his wisdom. Does God care? Oh, yes, he does. Can he provide? Oh, yes, he can. Taste and taste. to the and the fifth thing I want us to look at here is to say that troubles are temporary, but victory is eternal. Troubles are temporary, but victory is eternal. Verse 19. Many are the afflictions of the righteous, but the Lord delivereth him out of them all. Verse 20. He keepeth all his bones, not one of them is broken. The prophecy of Christ. Not a bone was broken on him died on the cross. So I'm going to tell you that also in here, the application is saying that survival is not fatal. Continue to live on. Verse 22. The Lord redeemeth the soul of his servants and none of them that trust in him shall be desolate. I've heard it said that God never promised us smooth sailing, but he did promise us a smooth landing. In Psalm 23, we read earlier, there's many settings of life. Some are pleasant, some are not. You have green pastures, still water. Those are nice places to be. There's paths of righteousness. I'm going to go back and study that one, but I kind of got the idea maybe that's instruction. The, the valley of the shadow of death. That's not a good place to be. The table, the table that God prepares is a great place, but where is it? He's surrounded by enemies when God does that. So I'd say that's not exactly the best place to be. But look where it all ends. It ends in the house. Hard times will come upon us all. Thought of another old song. Stephen Foster wrote a song in 
1854, and I have to admit it's one of my favorite folk songs by Stephen Foster. But I want you to note the perspective he gives in this song. First verse says, Let us pause in life's pleasures and count its beauties, while we all sup, all sup sorrow with the poor. There's a song that will linger forever in our ears at a hard time coming in the more. Second verse. While we seek mirth and beauty in music bright and gay, there are frail forms fainting at the door. Through their voices, although the voices are silent, we can't read. Though the voices are silent, their pleading looks will say, Oh, hard times come again no more. Of course, tis a song, the sigh of the weary. Hard times, hard times come again no more. In the days you have lingered around my cabin door, oh, hard times come again funny is, you look at that song, and it's kind of used as a song of hope. But what's funny is, there really is no hope in that song. It's saying, even when you're celebrating, when life is good, remember, there's poor people outside. Remember, eventually you're going to be crying. When you, that, that's the idea of the song. song is that there's kind of a balance to life. There's good times, there's bad times. It's all going to come. There's nothing you can do about it, but hope that the bad times don't hang around. The child of God sees a difference. There's coming a day when no heartache took out. No more clouds in the sky, no more tears to be in the eye. All is peace forevermore on that happy golden shore. Let us pay glorious day. There'll be no sorrow there, no more burdens to bear, no more sickness, no pain, no more parting over there. And forever I will be with the one who died for me. What a day, glorious day that will be. What a day that will be when my Jesus I shall see. And I look upon his face, the one who saved me by his grace. And he takes me by the hand and leads me through the promise. And what a day, glorious day that will be. The Apostle John said it like this, Revelation 21. I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven and first earth were passed away. There was no more sea. And I, John, saw the whole thing. I like that. He says, I, John. He says, yeah, I believe you. But I, John, I, I need. Look, I saw this. The holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down from God out of heaven, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. And I heard a great voice out of heaven saying, Behold, the tabernacle of God is with men, and he will dwell with them, and they shall be his people. And God himself shall be with them and be their God. Verse 4, And God shall wipe away all tears from your eyes. There shall be no more death. Neither sorrow nor crying. Neither shall there be any more pain for the former things are passed away. And he that sat upon the throne said, Behold, I make all things new. And he said unto me, Write, for these words are faithful, are true and faithful. He says, write it down. It's a promise. God says, I'll sign my name. It's coming today. It's all going to pass away. All will be peace for the child of God. For the child of God, heartaches and tears or trouble and trials will be but a faint memory one day. That's part of the blessed hope of the believer. That the best is yet. Three quick things here. We'll be finished. First, let me say, if you're struggling this morning, you shed so many tears that you can cry no more, to hang in there. 
I heard Mark Riley say once, every now and then Mark Riley can be profound, even though he does a lot of jokes, but he said his favorite verse in the Bible was, it came to pass. And no, there's no verse that says it came to pass, but that little phrase popped up a lot. He talked about the idea that the hard times come, but they pass. We'll get through this. It'll pass. Storms will pass, but God's love and God's care will never pass. And find the handhold of faith. Second, if you've got it good this morning, if you're on the mountaintop of glory, then help your brother and your sister. Encourage someone. Strengthen someone. Intercede in prayer for someone. You know, we're all in this together. As a church family, and even the greater family of God, we ought to help those without a doubt. I'll close with this as the musicians come. Three quick observations. Let me say first, I don't know how people make it without the Lord. I don't know how they do it. To stand at the graveside with no hope. To carry burdens without a loving God to cast them on. I don't know. I, I cannot comprehend. I don't know how Christians can live day to day as practical atheists, forsaking and forgetting their Heavenly Father. How many of us go through a day without a thought of To neglect his aid, to ignore his blessings. And I don't know how anyone can face life not knowing they've had a home. To know that their burdens of sin are not carried anymore. They can lay them at the foot of Calvary. Their records can be washed clean in the blood of the Lamb. How do they make it through life? not knowing that their future is brighter than the best you could ever imagine. Everyone needs to live. And I say, when you look around, Christians do need to live. For this world, the heartaches, the troubles, the fears, the pain, people need to live. People need to live. You and I need to live. Don't go through life with that. Find them as your Savior and walk with Him hand in hand to God. And that's the God that you want to do. What number there, Owen? 125 in heaven, highways. You'll stand, we'll pray and have a time to be saved. And Heavenly Father, Lord, simple message this morning, but Lord, I'm so thankful that you're not just the God of the high places, of the glory, of the joy, but in the darkness, in the struggles, in the trials, in the heartaches of life, that you are there beside us, that you walk with us, that you carry us. Lord, I'm amazed at your love and care. Let us not forget it. And Lord, just these simple things we've gone over, that you're there, that you're close, that we can call out in prayer, that you care for us, that we have a brighter future. Just these things. Let us scratch those away in our mind when the hard times come, we have something we can anchor our souls to together the saints of God. Lord, I pray that these are comfort and challenge to this people as much as they have been in my own heart in these past few days. And just plant them in our minds as we spring forth. Speak to us now, I pray. God be true to us.